Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Aron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're talking about the four P's for meal prep success. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 131 of the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast. Today, we are talking about the four P's for meal prep success. And when we talk about meal prep, we don't necessarily mean, I I just want to kind of preface this, Nicole, that we don't really mean that you need to be that person that spends an entire day prepping, throwing stuff into Tupperware, unless you want to be that person. But for the majority of people listening to this, that is likely unrealistic. So we're going to talk about the four P's involved in meal prep success. And Nicole, should I give them the P's or do we do it as we go? As we go, keep them listening one at a time. So let's dive right into it, Nicole. Okay. Uh, Well, do we want to talk about like meal prep? Like what is meal prep? What is that? mean yeah, or is that should. just going to be covered throughout what we're going to talk about now well w- let's just give an overview general i mean me- you, most people when they when we say meal prep do think of the competitor type meal prep that you were just mentioning and being really um strict and relentless about carrying everything around and every morsel is weighed measured to a t and every meal is taken with you everywhere you go like a little bit more of a um you know aggressive approach, which again, isn't bad. That is an appropriate approach or strategy for that type of goal. I think our mindset today around meal prep is more for the everyday person who still wants to be fit and healthy and in shape and prepared, but may not need to take it to that level of extreme. Yeah. So we're going to cover things from grocery shopping to actually physically cooking your meals to what to do in the supermarket, how to shop in the supermarket and how to think, kind of think outside of the box. Because I think this is one of the issues that people fall into is that they're so used to the repetitive nature of how they live their lifestyle and how they're used to eating. And sometimes this is where the coaching really comes in for us is we need to kind of plant seeds in people's heads on, okay, well, what are other ways that you can approach this and plan and prepare and be ready for the day-to-day of how you want to achieve your goals? I think oftentimes people don't have the capabilities of thinking outside of the norm of what they normally do. Yeah. And they get overwhelmed maybe by it. So we're going to chop it up in little pieces so that it's easy to digest. All right. So let's talk about the first P, which is planning. Mm-hmm. And I think the first thing we should talk about when it comes to planning is we should plan what your grocery list should look like. Agreed. I mean, do you write out your groceries? Do you write out a list or do you use an app? Like I have an app actually. I don't do either of those at this point. I, I, I but generally I'm somebody and this is where you have to decide what type of a person yeah. you are because I am somebody that generally eats the same things over and over and over again. And I'm perfectly fine with that. So you have like a mental grocery list. I have a mental grocery list and I know what I, so I shop. Now, this is one of the things that you need to uh, factor in too, is how frequently are you shopping? 
And that is also going to be partly determined by the type of foods that you're going to buy. Mm-hmm. I buy a lot of, for, I don't really buy anymore. I used to, when I was bodybuilding, it was a lot easier for me to buy frozen produce. Mm-hmm. But from a taste preference perspective, mm-hmm. I like fresh produce, which means that I have to go to the grocery store every week. Yeah. So I will have a mental list and I'll just, okay, I'm going to the supermarket. Do I occasionally forget something? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, But there's also different things that I will buy at different places. And this is yeah. something that we need to talk about as well is you have to have a mental note of what you need to get and where you need to get it. Because I don't do all my shopping in one store. I do mm-hmm. most of my shopping in one store. Mm-hmm. And then some of my shopping for things that I can't really find in that store or the size of things that I can't find in that store. Like, for example, I eat a ton of Tabasco sauce. I put it on my egg whites every morning. Mm-hmm. I need large bottles of that. If I go to Whole Foods, they have <laughs> yeah. this tiny little bottle that's very, very expensive versus I can go and get the $5 bottle at Stop and Shop mm-hmm. that is going to cover me for the month. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's like little things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nicole, you said that you use an app to pr- plan your grocery shopping. So what does that look like for you? Well, so I don't have the memory that you have. <laughs> I forget things all the time and it drives me batshit crazy. So I have to write things down. So I, I usually or I used to use just a, a like a little mini notebook, a piece of paper. And each week I would like write out what I needed to buy. I would do like a an overhaul in my refrigerator and just go, what do I need? But protein is something that you're always shopping for. I feel like every time I go to the grocery store, I have to buy more protein. You're constantly planning and uh, making sure you have enough because I feel like that's number one. So uh, every time I go to the grocery store, I'm always getting some form of protein. Even if I don't, quote unquote, need it for the week, I'll buy more just so I have it. But I use um, uh, my fitness pal actually has I use some of the recipes from there. And so there's a grocery list with each recipe that you pick from there. And so I just like download that into my phone and then I take that with me. So I think it also depends on if you're someone that's prepping recipes, like actual meals, which is what I consider meal prepping to me is more about the meals, like putting meals together instead of thinking about just prepping food, which I think there's a big distinction between the two. Like you can go to the grocery store and get food and put it in the refrigerator and then not know how to put it together to create a meal. But meal prepping for me is more what meals am I eating? So I need the grocery list so that I actually can put a meal together. And then I also know those are my go-to meals. I know the macros behind them. I know how it fits into my calories and et cetera, things like that. So part of planning is essentially knowing what you're going to go into the week for before you go grocery shopping, what are the proteins that I'm going to be prioritizing and Mm -hmm. what are the recipes that I'm going to be eating? And Nicole, like you just mentioned, listen, if my, I don't use that feature on my fitness pal, I didn't even know it existed until just now. But if you use that feature where you're like, Hey, you go into my fitness pal and you like this recipe, all you need to do is shop for that and then Mm -hmm. figure out, okay, well, how many servings is this going to make? That's part of your planning too, right? Yeah. How many servings are you going to cook? And you also need to ask yourself, like we talked about, are you the type of person that, A, do you need to shop weekly or do you need to shop bi-weekly? Like what are those habits that you need to create for yourself? But also B, are you going to cook for three days at a time? Are you going to cook day by day? Like Mm -hmm. how is that going to look for you? And that's going to be different based on everybody's lifestyle. And that's why I don't want to talk about meal prep in the way where it's like, you're spending your entire Sunday putting everything into Tupperware yeah. because that is just not conducive to 
everybody's lifestyle. I know that I used to do that as a competitor, but I don't do that anymore. Yeah, I used to do it too. I, I have moments where I feel like I'm a little bit more of a bigger picture planner. Like I like to plan for the month because I hate the one thing I hate is coming home. Uh, there's a lot of nights where you get tired and I don't want to cook. The last thing I want to do is not have grocery shopped for the week and have nothing. Like I like having backup plans. So I always have something in the refrigerator. And to your point, I don't cook everything ahead of time. Some I do some stuff that's easy to do on a Sunday. Like if I can cook stuff in an hour and a half, I'll throw a bunch of protein, mostly protein. I don't know about you, but I still cook protein in a little bit of a bulk. So I have it that I can either throw it on a salad or throw it in a bowl or something. But you definitely have to know what does that look like for you? Yeah. And that could change in different phases of your life too, because I know Nicole, you and I talked offline about how I can't really relate to I can relate from a standpoint of things that I've done in the past, Mm -hmm. but in my current lifestyle, like I'm home virtually all day. I'm working from home. So it's very easy. It's a lot easier for me to, okay, well, I have so I I could just cook something real quick. I'm going to eat and then I'm going to go back to work. Yeah. Um, And speaking of cooking things real quick, the next thing that I want to talk about as part of planning is planning for times that you're in a pinch. Yeah. Because you don't always have to plan these. I think people have this misconception that they always have to plan these extravagant, yeah, big recipes, things mm-hmm. that take a long time. There are some, A, there's some recipes that you could do with three to five ingredients that will suffice. You can mm-hmm. do uh, pre-prepared seasonings. Like I love yeah. the McCormick seasonings. You get like the McCormick, um, the chicken seasoning, the Montreal steak, the all of those types of things that are already pre-made. You could do like a Cajun seasoning. And you don't really have to do these extravagant like I need to look like back in the day looking and flipping through the pages of a uh, of like a a recipe book. You don't need to do that. And then there are other things that I typically recommend that I'm going to get into now that are I'm in a pinch and I need to you need to have these things on hand and you need to have them available when you go grocery shopping, because the reality is that you're not going to cook every day and you're not going to want to cook every day. Sometimes you're going to want to eat out and you're going to have to figure out how to eat out within the parameters that you set for yourself, like we talk about all the time. Yeah. But in terms of having things on hand for yourself, some options that are going to set you up for success. First and foremost, I'm going to mention these. This isn't a sponsored ad, but this probably should be. I should probably (laughs) reach out to them. Kevin's Natural Foods, I recommend all the time. I find them in Whole Foods. You can order them online. You can even order their marinade kind of sauce packets Mm -hmm. separately that don't come with it. So they have a chicken and they have a steak. I haven't tried the steak because I can't find it near me, but anyone that I recommend it to is like, it is phenomenal. So they've got like Kung Pao chicken. They've got, uh, what is it called? Tikka masala. They've got Korean barbecue chicken. So essentially what it is, is it's pre-cooked chicken Mm -hmm. and it comes with about two servings that are 30 to 35 grams of protein per serving, which is a decent amount for a meal. Mm-hmm. And it's just cooked chicken in a pouch. And then it's got a separate little pouch that comes with the marinade for it. And mm-hmm. the marinade is amazing and delicious. And I don't want to say entirely calorie free, but virtually cal- calorie free. It's very low calorie. So the majority of the calories that you're getting is actually just from the chicken. Mm-hmm. And then what I'll do is I'll cook up a pot of rice mm-hmm. or I'll cook up some quinoa or you can do potatoes or whatever your starch is separate. 
Here's the thing with meal prepping and, and planning is that the bulk of what people's concern is, Nicole, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, is the protein is the most difficult piece. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the most intensive. It requires the most. Maybe you have to tenderize your chicken before you cook it. Maybe you have to let it sit and marinate for a while. Like it yeah. requires the most effort. Everything outside of that is you cut up some potatoes, you throw them in the oven. You can yeah. put a potato in the microwave. Yeah. You set a rice cooker and you walk away from it and you come back and it's ready. Mm-hmm. So the protein, the fact that the Kevin's Naturals has the protein already set for you. All I do is I empty out the pouch of chicken. I break it up in a pan. I turn on the, the heat and then I add the sauce on top of that. Yeah. And that has been an easy go to for me. Outside of that, things that you can do for an easy go to are the tuna packets that mm-hmm. are, again, like 25 to 30 grams of protein. You can do hard boiled eggs. You can do pre-cooked chicken from the deli counter, like mm-hmm. a chicken breast. You can also do a pre-cooked rotisserie chicken when you're in a pinch. And I know a rotisserie chicken will probably make about three to four meals for most people. Yeah. You can do pre-cooked turkey burgers from the deli counter. You can do chicken sausage, which is technically pre-cooked. I like to cut it up and throw it in a pan. You can do Greek yogurt. You can do beef jerky. You can do turkey jerky. You can do cottage cheese. You can do protein powder uh, and add some smoothie ingredients to that. Make sure you have like some frozen fruit in the freezer. Things that you have readily available for times that you're in a pinch and you're like, shit, I can't cook. And they're still going to keep you on track. Yeah. And they're and they're delicious. (laughs) Yeah. And if you notice all the things that I just mentioned are sources of protein for two reasons. One, we should, if we want to be successful from a hunger, satiety, muscle building, fat loss standpoint, uh, if we want to be successful in that, we should be prioritizing protein. And two, because protein is the most intensive piece, the one that requires the most effort and energy, I think it's best to give you guys something that is easy for you to do in the times where you don't feel like cooking your proteins. Yeah, absolutely. So Nicole, the other thing that I want to mention is shopping and how to shop. So knowing your grocery stores and where you're going to go, like we talked about, and where do you need to go for each item? But also, how are you shopping? So you're coming in with a grocery list and how are you doing your shopping? So we all know that if you shop the perimeter of the supermarket, that is the bulk of really what you need in the supermarket, right? So Mm -hmm. most supermarkets are laid out in the same way. You walk in, there's the produce section, and then you have meat, fish, poultry, dairy, eggs all across the back wall. And then you loop around the other side. Maybe you've got a deli counter, whatever you have. So the majority of your foods, especially your proteins are going to be there, your produce, your, your, your vegetables, your potatoes, your things Mm -hmm. like that. And then you kind of go up and down the aisles for everything else that you need. Uh, And one of the suggestions that I always make is plan to eat before you go to the grocery store, because then you end up filling your cart with things that you probably will regret putting into your cart later on. Yeah. Don't go in ready for a bag of chips or looking for a bag of chips. You know what I mean? Right. And then like we talked about planning on how frequently you are going to shop. Some people go to the grocery store two, three times a week. Some people go once a week. Some people go every other week. Again, like we talked about, how many foods that you're eating that are either perishable or non-perishable or whatever, that is going to determine your shopping habits. And I like to say, like, if the more things that you can put on a schedule, the better off you're going to be in terms of success. I just think that people just work better when they're organized. I can't do the whole disorganized, I'm just going to do it on the fly 
You really have to plan things out ahead of time in order to be successful in really anything you do. I wanted to go back to the potato chips or the chips that I just mentioned to you. Because the other thing I would also say that I talk about with clients all the time is to plan even if you are going to utilize other foods outside of recipes, snacks, whether it be fruit and raw veggies, hummus. If you do pick chips that you like that even if it's um, if you have kids in the house or you have other people in the house that are eating other things, because remember, nobody really shops just for themselves. I also tell clients to plan those out as well. Make a list of the the snacks that you're going to get. Don't get more than you need. Get appropriate for the amount of days that you're going to, if you shop week to week, only get enough for the week. That way there's not highly palatable foods that are in excess in the house that are easier to indulge in. Yeah, absolutely. And Nicole, the last thing that I'll talk about when it comes to planning is planning where you're going to eat out if you are going to eat out during the week. I think it's important to have a few go-tos. Like if you have Mm -hmm. ever looked at our Instagram where we do the eating out and staying on track, and if you listen to our last episode with eating out and staying on track, it's crucial to have a few go-tos. Like one of my go-tos is Chipotle, for example. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm gonna go, what I'm gonna get in Chipotle that is going to fit the parameters that I set for myself because I do it on a recurring basis. Yeah. And sometimes that takes really understanding what type of restaurants are in your area, what type of uh, I guess I don't want to say fast food chains because I, I don't really you have quick places to grab something to eat. The healthier options for fast food, if you even call Chipotle fast food, do you consider that fast food? I don't consider I do. it fast food. I I when I think I of do fast because food, I think of when I think of fast food, I think of food that you get that you don't cook on the go. So I consider pretty much anything fast food if it's not cooked at home or sitting down in a restaurant. But in any of those cases, I think it is good to plan out having, you know, sweet green is something that's around here or um what is it? Chick-fil-A that we had mentioned in the last episode, like whatever it is in your area, even if it's like a cafe at your work, if you work in an office and they have places that they order out from for meetings or something in your building, even those types of planning ahead strategies are really good because if you forget your lunch one day or if you bring your lunch and you're not hungry for the lunch that you have, which I mean, listen, all this stuff does happen. Or if you run late in a meeting and you don't get a chance to eat the lunch that you brought and you end up finding yourself out with colleagues, at least you know and can navigate through healthy options to keep you, you know, that plan ahead mindset. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that I say is, or that I would say to ask yourself is, where are you eating that will provide you with what you need and not more than what you need? So, Nicole, you brought up the sweet green thing. Mm hmm. I think oftentimes people go into there without planning. Yeah, they just and order. they just order, and they're like, "Well, it's a salad. How bad can it be, right?" And then they've exactly. got avocado, they've got whole eggs with the fat and the eggs, and then they've got the dressing. And mm-hmm. before you know it, you've got a thousand calorie salad that you're chomping yep. down. So <laughs> I think it's important to do your research and plan before you go to these places and have a mental note or a written note mm-hmm. of what your go-tos are in different places so that you can eat out and stay on track. Yeah. Now, the second P, Nicole, is preparing. Mm -hmm. Preparing your macros, preparing your meals, putting things together, but also preparing your food journal ahead of time Mm -hmm. 
because oftentimes what I find is people just think that they can log their food into their journal at the end of the day and fingers crossed, hopefully <laughs> everything hits. I hit the numbers that Daron wanted me to hit. <laughs> Here's the thing with that is that is you just maintaining the same habits, but logging them in, right? Correct. So you have to be able to prepare to change those habits by either pre-logging it before, well, just not either. You have to pre-log it before you eat it. Mm -hmm. You have to pre-plan and pre-prepare what is going to go into that meal. Yeah. And then the other part of preparing is, are you prepping your meals on Sundays? Are you prepping meals throughout the week? Are there two days a week that you choose to prep? What works for you in terms of your meal prep? The third part of preparing is, I think, a very useful tool for people, and it's using cheat sheets. So using something like a macro cheat sheet that is going to be, it's going to list off a bunch of different proteins. And let's say your goal is I need, I want to have 30 grams of protein four times a day. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how much chicken is going to get you 30 grams of protein? How much of a different type of steak is going to get you like a skirt steak or flank steak or a sirloin or steak tips, like how much of each of those things are going to get you to 30 grams of protein. I like to use calorie King for that. You go to calorieking.com, you type in the food, you play around with the numbers in terms of the ounces of that food, and then it will spit out, you know, it'll just add up to that 30 grams from one ounce all the way up. So preparing a macro cheat sheet and again, you do the same thing for your carbs and your fat. And then it's easy to just kind of mix and match and put things together yeah. in terms of what your meals look like. The other thing is having some go-to meals and maybe writing down five different recipes. You could start with five and then you build on that list over time. Yep. And then before you know it, you have this arsenal of these different recipes and these different meals that are already put together. And you know, okay, each of these meals is anywhere between four and 500 calories. And that's going to fit for what I'm looking for. Yep. And then you just plug and play or swap and move things around. And it also is, I love that because it's great for variety. If you're someone, you know, there's always two types of people. This one person loves to eat the same things every day. They're fine. They have no worries, does not bother them. They don't get bored. And then you have the flip side is someone that's bored after a week of eating chicken or even a couple months of eating chicken for lunch and they need something else. If you have all of those options laid out in terms of meals, you can move things around any way you want. And if that's something that doesn't cause stress and makes you happy and comfortable for variety, then you're good to go. Yeah. And then the last one, Nicole, is one thing that you brought up is finding accurate entries in MyFitnessPal and saving the recipes for the things that you're finding in in an app like MyFitnessPal. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's huge because to your point that you mentioned a minute ago, which most clients do a lot, is they eat for the day and then sit down at night and go, holy shit, I didn't hit my protein. I wasn't even close to fiber. My carbs are all over the place. And that type of, whole, you know, cross your fingers and hope never works. Now it's great. Listen, the flip side to that is that you learn a lot, even if you do that. Okay. That probably those weren't the meals that worked. So what can I do better? And you can start swapping out. So it's never really a terrible thing, but if you do that all the time, you're never going to get anywhere. But I love that option in my fitness pal to build the meals, save them, and then literally just kind of copy and paste day to day. It goes back to planning ahead and then this preparation phase where once you have that all kind of set up, it, it really automates things and makes it so easy. 
Yeah. And I mean, listen, when we talk about automation, this is what building habits is all about. Yeah. It is literally the process of automation. It's your brain automating the things that you do on a day-to-day basis. And we're going to get into putting things into practice because I think that is a very important part of the automation process. Mm-hmm. But when we're coaching you, the thing that we're doing is creating those habits for you. That's the number one most important thing for you to have long-term success in anything that you do. Mm-hmm. And habits are grooves in your brain because you've done something over and over again. You're creating a neural network and that neural network is automation. For example, if every time you walk in the kitchen, you open the fridge by default because you're used to just eating and not thinking about it, that's a habit, right? That's something that needs to be broken. Mm-hmm. We want to think about automation. I think, Nicole, that's a that's a good word to use because that's what coaching is all about. Yeah. And you want it to not take up so much space in your head. Like, I think for a beginning, like there's the beginner, intermediate and advanced phases of automation. In the beginning, you're learning and you're trying to figure out what you need to do to create those habits. And then as you get better at them, you can start automating the ones that really work and you're still kind of morphing and playing around. Then by the time you get to an advanced level, you have all that mapped out. People ask me all the time, do you still journal food? Not unless I have a really specific goal because I've automated all those meals. Like I can tell you right out, I know what 30 grams of protein is for my breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I just plug and play. And I'm someone that can go pretty long eating the same things, but then I do get bored and then I will swap things out. But I definitely, I use recipes. I cannot stress enough that meal prepping is about the meal, not just prepping food. Like you have to know what the meal looks like as a whole so that you're getting everything in and you're prioritizing that habit as well. Because too many people are, you know, trying to, they pick the protein and then they're only eating protein. And we know that's not as, that's not optimal either. You have to have an actual meal. Yeah. You got to have balance. Mm -hmm. And then Nicole, the third P is prioritizing. Mm -hmm. And that's prioritizing all the things that we just talked about. It's prioritizing the meals that you've made for yourself. It's prioritizing time management and allocating time towards this whole process. I think where the miss is for some people is that initially when they come into coaching, they just think, okay, well, I'm just going to hire somebody and they're going to tell me what to do. And then that's that's where it ends. I almost feel like that's where it ends for a lot of people. But if you really want true lifestyle change, you have to prioritize these things. So, and and I understand people have careers and I understand that people have children and families, family, career, health. Those three should be at the top. Yeah. And I think where the miss is, is that, you know, Nicole, we talk a lot about thinking of this process as separate from your life mm-hmm. and how this process is really integrated with other aspects of your life because they mm-hmm. all feed into each other. We've talked about that a ton. Yeah. And I think it's important to realize that because that realization, I think, will lead to the thought process of, oh, wow, I really do need to prioritize this whole process and all the things that I'm doing in terms of my meals, my workouts, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I always talk to clients. I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this. Maybe some of our listeners can think about this as well. Have you ever gone to the grocery store and bought groceries and they sit in the refrigerator and then the fruit's rotten? The, the 
chicken was never cooked and you end up throwing things out, the time management piece and the this part of action, the action steps, like, okay, you made a grocery list, you went to the grocery store and then you didn't make and you didn't prioritize or make any time to even eat the food that you cooked. Okay, you went through all these first, the first two peas and now everything just sits there and you end up throwing everything away. And that happens, it does a lot. So the time management piece for me with coaching is making sure that you make time to then sit down and eat and take the action to utilize all this great nutritious food that you just put all this time into and make sure you're feeding your body, nourishing your body for your workouts to get adequate sleep, to make sure that that's a form of self-care. So I have a question for you. Do you think that some of that comes from like just, oh, I don't want to eat what I cooked. I'm, I'm craving something else and then going out and getting that. I think sometimes there's a little bit of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, definitely. But what's interesting about that is that's more, in my opinion, as a coach, an emotional hunger versus an actual physical hunger. If you if you walk into the kitchen and you have prepared food, like you cook chicken and you have your style, whatever you make, and you don't want it, I really believe that is more of an emotional hunger than it is a physiological hunger. So are you saying that's that's one of those areas where you need to focus on solving for the trigger rather than mm. what's going on? That's how yeah, I'm like, kind of interpreting that. Yeah. Like I have a bad day and I come home, say I have like an argument with a coworker or with my family or I don't know, whatever that's got you like turned up or irked and you come home and you open the refrigerator and you're like, fuck, no, I don't even want this. I'm so aggravated. I'm so frustrated. I want even if you go to Chick-fil-A, like uh, not that that's necessarily a terrible option, but it's not what you planned and it could technically still keep you on track. So that's one level. The next level is I just go for the ice cream or a bag of chips or I, I don't eat a real meal, which is what I keep going back to with the meals. That to me is more because you're upset and you're frustrated. It's not because you're physically hungry for chips or ice cream. You're emotionally hungry because whatever you're feeling, you're not really addressing or solving. Or maybe it's just on the surface and the frustration you're just taking out in a different way. However you want to like dive into that. But that to me is more psychological. And I find that that also becomes more mindless. So you're angry, you're frustrated, you go to the chips, you eat an entire bag, which is like 900 calories, and you're not even full or satiated. So then you go and eat your meal. So now you ate 900 calories of chips and then a whole meal. So then you went over your calories and, you know, then you feel guilt and shame. That cycle can be really... Well, that's almost dangerous. like kind of thinking about like Pavlov's dog and classical conditioning, right? It's like every time you're angry, you associate that with the food. Yes. Rather that, than yeah. so. So in order to break that type of a cycle, you need to when you get angry, do something different that doesn't involve food and then start your brain starts to associate. OK, well, when I get angry, I exercise and that makes me feel better. And that gives me yes. the same uh, dopamine response reward kind of uh, play going on in, inside of my head. That is it's it's a cycle and it's something that we're we're constantly, you know, again, it's going back to the habits. That is a habit that is ingrained in you. You mm -hmm. have some type of trigger and then that response is for that reward. And then there's it just goes back to the same cycle. It's Pavlov's dog. It's classical conditioning. Yeah. So, you know, going like you said, exercising is has always been my go to when I feel that way or call a friend or journal and write it down. I don't know, whatever it is that you need to do to kind of work through the emotion, maybe pause and not eat anything for an hour while you calm down or do something different and then come back and see if your hunger comes like kind of to a normal balance. But those types of things are 
definitely something you have to pay attention to. Yeah. So the third P, prioritizing. In order for this to work, you need to prioritize a new lifestyle mm-hmm. and move forward with that thought process. There is no other way for this to work. I think prioritizing is one of the most important P's. Definitely. And then the fourth P is practice. Practice doing these things on a consistent basis. Practice meal swaps and cooking new recipes on a continuous basis so that you're learning. Practice different combinations in your food journal, different combinations of protein and carbs, protein and fat, fat, protein, and carbs, mm-hmm. protein, fat, and carbs, right? <laughs> All of those things. And practice making mistakes, I think, is one of the most important things to realize is that you want to practice making mistakes and you want to practice sucking at it because that's what's going to make you better. You learn from the mistakes that you make. Nicole, like you talked about earlier about mistakes. I forget what what you said about when you journal at the end of the day. Yeah. And you realize the mistakes that you made. Yeah. It can be a learning experience for you. Mm -hmm. So practice embracing that, too. And then also practicing patience with yourself and practicing, this is from an eating out perspective, looking at menus ahead of time, get in the habit of looking at menus ahead of time before you eat out. Because if you truly want this to be change for life, you need to understand that you're going to eat out. And sometimes when you eat out, you're going to choose to stay on track. And other times when you eat out, you're going to choose not to stay on track. But if I'll say this from an eating out perspective. If you're eating out often and you're choosing not to stay on track, that's not going to get you anywhere. But if once in a while, maybe twice a month, you decide, hey, you know what? I want to go. I love going to get uh, waffles or pancakes with eggs and, you know, big steak omelet at IHOP or whatever it may be. That's okay once in a while. But also practicing some restraint and some self-control when you're eating out. Mm-hmm. and choosing things on the menu that are going to be conducive to the lifestyle that you want. Yeah, agree. Practices after prioritizing and making it part of your life, then the practice part is forever. Like I, I can honestly tell you this, you will never practice and become perfect at anything. You know, they used to say practice makes perfect. Practice makes progress, right? So as you practice, you get a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. And even when you hit your goal, if the goal then changes and say you want to take it up a level and do something even more difficult, you're going to have to practice doing that again. So the practice part is something you get got to get really comfortable with. Yeah. I mean, Nicole, I think outside of even goals, like if we talk about it from a perspective of people, like health should be the goal, right? So if you're talking about it from a health standpoint, then the practice has to be continual because you want to maintain good health for a lifetime and you want to yeah. age well. Yeah. You don't want to be sick before you go. Right. I, I yeah. always talk about, you know, all, all the decisions that you make are going to, for the most part, I mean, listen, there are some genetic factors in here too, but they're going to determine how you're going to live out your old ages. Mm-hmm. And that I think is very important to realize in terms of putting these things into practice on a continual basis outside of just my fat loss goals, my muscle mm-hmm. building goals, like those immediate, those goals that make us feel good. Yeah, I think if you're practicing on the regular basis, you also realize that eating in this way is also nourishing to your body and it just it makes your body function better and you feel better altogether. Yeah, well, that goes back to like prioritizing things like I used to be, you know, 
when I was really young in my 20s, my priority was just looking good. I honestly really didn't care if I felt good. I just wanted to look good. And now heading into my 50s, I all I care about is feeling good. And yes, of course, I want to look good. Don't get me wrong. But I don't really worry too much about the look good as much as my health. So going to, for my physical, I want all my markers to look amazing. And then I feel good. And then it actually just creates the look good as the third tier anyway. So if you focus on the first two, you I, I tend to think you'd be all right. Yeah. I, and I think that eating for, listen, if we're talking about eating for health and eating for a physique goal, I think those are two different things. They are, but the but the planning, the prepping, the prioritizing, and the um, the practice, practice. Thank you. Like, what's the last one? The practice are they're the same in terms of what you have to do, but the goal or the end result might be slightly different. Yeah, absolutely. But you still need to have all the P's in there anyway. I will add one more thing to um, practice, which I think is important too, is support. One of the things that I find really empowering from a coaching standpoint is connecting clients to help share recipes, cooking styles, or uh, ways to prep food or areas to grocery shop or places to get things. Like I will say having a group coaching, like a group coaching call or group coaching discussion, women are freaking epic when it comes to this stuff. Like I was doing a partner training the other day and they were talking about where they grocery. They live in different places or different um, towns. And they were talking about different grocery stores and what one has and what one doesn't have and where to get it. And I'm telling you, females can create like anything you need. They can find online. She, the next thing I know they're, they're exchanging um, grocery store phone numbers and where to get things online. It's so asking for help or asking for support or asking where people get recipes or how to cook things the best way, the fastest way. I think it's pretty cool when you have help and support. I also have clients that are on group text messages that will, one person will find like a really great recipe and they'll share it with everyone. So things like that are also really cool too. If you have tricks or tips or strategies that you can, you know, help each other out with in your community or in your family or in your coaching team or group or in your gym, wherever you are. I think that's pretty cool too, because you learn a lot from other people and you learn a lot from other people's mistakes. So maybe someone's made that mistake before and they can help you with a way to make that easier. And speaking of group coaching, coming to an Eat Right platform near you very soon. That is something that we have in the works. I am putting it into the universe now. That is going to be coming at you. So stay tuned. And if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week.